So I'd like to welcome everybody to Sadiq Boxing Podcast. I have a YouTube channel. I'm just trying this podcast thing out right now. This is my first time doing it. I did dabble into it, I think, a couple years ago, but did not take it seriously from now on. I will hope to give you an episode every week. Now, without further ado, let's tackle the fights, the shows we saw on Saturday. The first show I will be discussing is the show between Tim Zhu and... Versus Terrell Gasha. Now, Tim Zhu won that fight via unanimous decision. It was a rough fight. It was a shaky fight for Tim Zhu as he got dropped in round one. Uh, I had him winning the fight 11 rounds to one. Even though he was dropped, he recovered very well and went on to unleash a beating against Terrell Gasha. I'd like to critique all three judges Robert Hecko, Bill Lurch, and I don't know why I exited out. And Patrick Morley. They all had the fight way too close and it gave a horrible picture for you as judging. Us fans over here in America, we've been critiquing British judges for a while now. So we should be at a higher standard. We shouldn't allow ourselves to give scorecards like that. Because in my opinion, I can't give Terrell Gasha more than a round. I can't. I gave him round one. He won that round very clearly. But in the round, what round can you really give him? What round did he dominate in? I don't get it. To be honest, I just don't get it. Now, he won that fight fairly easily. Michael Rivera on the undercard did struggle a bit, but he still won that fight, in my opinion, clear. Elvis Rodriguez might prove to be a fighter that Top Rank is going to regret giving up on. In my opinion, I think Top Rank was too quick to let go. But I let him go after the very first loss, which was shocking in my eyes and in many people's eyes. You know, fighters, they go through they can go through several hurdles. You got guys like Joe Smith Jr. who won the title after, uh, what, three, three losses? It doesn't always happen like that. We're not all... Floyd Mayweather. We're not all Andre Ward. It's not always like that. It really isn't. So for them, to do that was kind of shocking. Now, Tim Zhu, a lot of people are already crossing out his chances to fight Jamal Charlo or Castellani. They think he doesn't stand a chance anymore. And that could only be further from the truth. Tim Zhu... I, I tweeted out watching the fight live. Tim Zhu fights like Golovkin but doesn't have the chin of Golovkin. But in my opinion, his offense is on that Golovkin better be of level. It is. That's just my humble opinion. He's a great offensive fighter. He can cut the ring off very quickly. Quicker than most fighters. He's heavy up-handed. He's very strong. He can hurt you with the left hook, with the jab, with the right uppercut. And I think he was a bit nervous first time fighting in the United States. And it could be very nerve-wracking fighting in the United States for the first time in your career. I think he was nervous. And I think he will put on a much, 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 much better performance next time around. And I've always said, if there is a guy outside of the top two, to do some damage, it is Tim Zhu. If there's a guy who can take over the light, light middleweight division, 
after Trauma Cristiano go at it, I'm pretty sure the winner is going to move up. A lot of big opportunities over there at middleweight. Hemi Mangia fight for Brian Castellano. Maybe he's going to, if he beats Jermel Charlo, he might try to go get the other Charlo for the WBC title. So there's lots of opportunities at middleweight. Maybe even one of them could prove to be dominant enough to get a Canelo paid in on the road. I just want to see either guy continue to campaign a light middleweight. And Tim Zhu could be the main guy. I got Tim Zhu ranked number three at light middleweight. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be frank. I rate Tim Zhu very highly. I think he's right there. Right after these dudes, he's number three. A lot of people will disagree. A lot of American fans were quick to jump on the wagon and say that he's a bomb. He's nothing. He's going to get exposed against whoever he fights next. Whoever he fights next is going to expose him from either Jamal Charlo. I've even heard a lot of people saying Erickson Lubin is going to best him. Which that couldn't be further from the truth. Erickson Lubin does not have the chin. Erickson Lubin has to catch him maybe in round one. Maybe. Because Erickson Lubin does not have the chin to take all those shots from Tim Zhu. And we saw Tim Zhu had great powers of recovery. Great powers of recovery. So that's two things you guys got to keep in mind. Tim Zhu, strong guy, strong fighter, has a strong character. Now Terrell Gasha. Terrell Gasha took lots of damage in that fight. I like him. I think... He should come again, but he took lots of damage. And if that fight was in the United Kingdom, I guarantee you it would have been stopped. Absolutely guarantee you. It would have been stopped. There's no way they were going to let Gasha take all that damage. And that's one time I would have agreed with the UK stoppage. Because there's another fight that happened to the UK that I did not agree with the stoppage whatsoever. But we'll get to it when we do. But Terrell Gasha took too much punishment for my liking. And the damage you get in the ring doesn't leave you. It doesn't end with a fight. It just doesn't. So that's my point on this. Now, let's talk about the next fights. Let's talk about the next card. There was another card going down at the same time the Team Zoo card was. And it was the Miguel Burchell fight. Miguel Burchell, as you guys all know, is coming off a devastating knockout loss against Oscar Valdez. Oscar Valdez landed a bomb on Burchell after beating him down for most of the fight, too. Landed a complete bomb and knocked out Miguel Burchell in the 10th round. Miguel Burchell has been a dominant champion, has beaten the likes of Miguel Roman, Francisco Vargas, Jason Sosa. Francisco Vargas has beaten him twice. So, he has good names on his resume. And he was a big favorite. He was like a 6-1 favorite, I believe. Going to the Oscar Valdez fight. My, my prediction for that fight is still on my YouTube channel. You can go check it out if you don't believe me. I said Oscar Valdez is going to go out there and outbox Miguel Burchell. I thought Oscar Valdez was going to dominate Miguel Burchell. And uh, I was right in picking the winner. But I was not right whatsoever on the method. I didn't think there was a chance in hell that Oscar Valdez could stop him. I didn't. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that Oscar Valdez was going to outbox him, 
win that fight at 10 rounds to 2, 9 rounds to 3. When Oscar Valdez knocked him out, I was shocked. I was about to put Oscar Valdez in my top 10 proper pound. Crown him as the king of 130. But we know what happened after that. I thought he lost clearly to Robinson Kansai-Sal. And Glover Shout coming in against the guy who was dominated and really ridiculed for being dominated so easily by Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson was ridiculed himself for not stepping on the guest against him. And that's a fighter named... Jeremiah Nakathila, a fighter from Nabia, age 32, going to that fight. Miguel Shell was viewed as a huge favorite. No one thought Miguel Burchell was going to lose that fight. Everyone thought it was going to be a routine fight for Miguel Shell, get back to winning ways, and maybe Devin Haney, we're going to get to that later. He got he signed down to top rank. Maybe he's a future opponent for Devin Haney. But he gets absolutely destroyed from pillar to post. All three judges had it. Six rounds for Nekathila, zero rounds for Burchell. And Burchell was down badly in round three. And then in round six, Nekathila hurt Burchell so bad, hit him so hard, that his mouthpiece was with the crowd. It was a brutal fight. Miguel Burchell took a lot of damage. And it seemed like... Whether we like it or not, it seems like Oscar Valdez has taken Miguel Burchell's soul. In my eyes, opinion. That's what it seems like. It seems like Miguel Burchell is no longer the same fighter he was before. And that's sad to see. Miguel Burchell was a fantastic fighter. Absolutely fantastic. Hard puncher. A warrior. Likes to go to war. But he's done, in my opinion. Now, the undercard. I don't remember any of the fights on the undercard. Let me just take a quick look. And on box rec. Oh no, there was one notable event that happened. I missed that fight. But Jose Vargas. The, the dude that got knocked out by Jose Pedras in the first round not too long ago. Got bit on the shoulder by his opponent. Nicolas Pablo Dimero. In a fight where a lot of people said that. That dude had a chance of winning the fight before he bit him. And he got two points taken off. So that was a weird spectacle. Now let's talk about the card. The two cards that happened in the United Kingdom. Josh Warrington challenged Kiko Martinez in the rematch for the IBF belt. Now, it's disgusting that Josh Warrington even got a shot at the IBF belt against Kiko Martinez. If many of you guys don't know how Josh Warrington even lost his belt. He did not lose it to Mauricio Lara. Josh Warrington has been the IBF's featherweight champion since when he won it against Lee Selby in May of 2018. Beat Lee Selby via split decision. Went on to beat Carl Frampton by unanimous decision. Then fought Kid Galahad in Leeds where he's a hometown favorite. And in many people's eyes, he lost that fight to Kid Galahad. He escaped with the victory. Then Kid Galahad became his mandatory opponent. Within that time, he fought a guy named Sofine Takucht, where he knocked him out two rounds, stopped him fairly easily. Then the pandemic happened. And when he came in the midst of the pandemic, he fought against the unknown fighter named Mauricio Lara, a guy who's even been stopped before in the first round. Uh, Josh Warrington went in there, was completely 
dominated from pillar to post and was dropped in round four and then knocked out cold in round nine. So you get knocked out cold by a fighter. You vacated your belt because you don't want to fight your mentor opponent who in most people's eyes already beat you before. Okay. So you vacate your belt. You get knocked out. What happens? You rematch the guy that you got that you got knocked out by because there was a rematch clause in a non-title fight, strange enough. And guess what happens? He goes down the first round, up big, wins round one easily, was jabbing on the back foot. But then round two, shades of the first fight start to creep in. He started to get hit a lot, start to get wobbled, and then unleashes a huge headbutt that in the watching live did not look intentional, but replaying it, it looked more than intentional. Putting a huge gash on Mauricio Laura's face, prompting the referee to wave off the fight for a technical draw. So now, okay, if one of them is going to get a title shot, it's the guy that won, not the guy that's lost. Nevertheless, and, and I'm going to congratulate uh, Josh Warrington for having the balls to step in with Mauricio Laura again, but he lost. Let's not make it out something, it wasn't me, he lost the first fight. And the second fight, it looked like he was on his way to losing, but he just was like, fuck it. Let me just land the headbutt and uh, see you guys later. Referee obviously did not DQ him. He called it a technical draw. And now Mauricio Lara went on to have another fight. And he said he's not going to give Mauricio Lara a trilogy fight. It's because Mauricio Lara is going to need more time to heal than he has time to offer. He wants to get back in the ring quickly. He can't wait for Mauricio Lara to get better. Now, he fought Kiko Martinez on March 26. Mauricio Lara got back in the ring on March 5. So, Josh Warrington took more time to get ready than Mauricio Lara. Mauricio Lara has already fought before Josh Warrington fought. Like, he recovered from his cut quicker than Josh Warrington got back in the ring. So, even that excuse was kind of BS. Now, what happened in the versus Kiko Martinez? First of all, the undercard there, it was not spectacular. I only watched... Uh, the Ebony Bridges fight. And that fight, I thought Ebony Bridges won that fight six rounds to four, seven rounds to three. And two of the judges had it seven rounds to three, so I congratulate them. But one judge absurdly had it nine rounds for Ebony Bridges and one round a draw. Now, Ebony Bridges controlled that fight early, and uh, her opponent, the champion, Maria Cecilia Roman, came back late. Maria Cecilia Roman seems like it was hurting Ebony Bridges late. Even though in 23 fights, she's never had a knockout in her life. So take that for whatever you will. Abby Bridges did become a, a world champion. It was fair. Don't think it was a robbery, but I think she would have had to be knocked out for her to lose that fight. In my humble opinion. Now, showing that fight, she says she's not interested in a rematch with Shannon Courtney. Shannon Courtney, who looked extremely overweight, by the way. She was there. She was uh, with the broadcaster. She was speaking on the fight. She was invited to, as a speaker. She looked extremely overweight. Uh, Max Hughes beat Ryan Welsh. Uh, it was just an uninspiring undercard. Now, the main event starts. Josh Horton versus Kiko Martinez. Josh Horton goes right away for the kill from the first minute. But then he heads Kiko Martinez. Where if he doesn't do shit... Kiko Martinez already caught, and then he goes in and drops Kiko Martinez. 
after Kiko Martinez got up, they clinch it. When the referee said break, Kiko Martinez lands the left hand. Referee stopped the action, warned him. I thought Kiko Martinez was looking for a way out at that point. And he thought the referee was going to give it to him, take a point off. Referee didn't do anything. And Kiko Martinez kept on taking a beating all the way until round seven. But at the time of the stoppage, Kiko Martinez was caught in three different places because of the headbutts. Now, Josh Warrington, I'm not even sure which punch landed that did that. Josh Warrington left the fight with a broken jaw. So, Josh Warrington could be out of commission for a long time. Josh Warrington is a, a soft punching ambush fighter. Now, if you're a soft punching ambush fighter, you've been knocked out cold fairly recently, and now you have a broken jaw. I know Josh Warrington, a lot of people want to act like he's fresh, especially after he beat Keiko Martinez, a fighter who he, he's already beat. He fought him for the title. After he vacated the title to not fight a guy he basically lost to. So, you know, it's confusing. I already explained to you. Don't want to go explain again. So, a lot of people want to act like this win is better than it is. We all knew Kiko Martinez was going to win this fight. I know he knocked out Kid Galahad. But Kid Galahad was dominating him before the knockout. Kid Galahad made the same mistake twice. Was stepping back in straight lines. That's all Kiko Martinez says. The overhand right. Kid Galahad stands up high and was jumped back in one line. If Kid Galahad would have gave him angles, he obviously would have never knocked him out. In my opinion. But he did knock him out, and I thought, and everyone thought Josh Warrington was a huge favorite. I was shocked when I went on uh, FanDuel, I think. It's a betting app. And I was looking at the odds. It was plus 300 for Josh Warrington knockout. And I thought that was free money. They only let me put $167 on it. But I was willing to put $500 on it because I knew it was free money. And guess what? I cashed out. I knew Josh Horton was going to stop this dude. This dude had zero chance. Kid Gale had not a heavy puncher. I know Josh Horton is, but he's at least an ambush fighter. He will go at you. High volume fighter. Kid Gale is not a high volume fighter. And Kid Gale had not a high volume fighter and was hurting Kiko Martinez at will. So I knew Josh Horton was going to get him out of here. And he did in round seven. I thought the fight, though, when it stopped, I thought it was too soon. I know Kiko Martinez took a couple combinations. He was blocking some of the punches, but I thought the fight ended too soon, in my opinion. And especially as Kiko Martinez had some success in the run where he was stopping. So that's that card. Now, there was another card that happened in the United Kingdom. Uh, let me just give me one second. Let me pull out the names. Uh, two, two, ta, ta. Dan Aziz, I know fall on the undercard. Dan Aziz, uh, light heavyweight prospect. I know he's old, but he's still a prospect. He needs time to prove himself. So Richard Riakpour. Richard Riakpour. Richard Riakpour. Yeah, let me just make sure I pronounce the name correctly. A 32-year-old cruiserweight. Record now, 14 wins, no losses, 10 wins coming by way of knockout. Huge guy, 6'5", 77 inches. He knocked out Dion Juma in his last fight. Dion Juma was a replacement opponent. Dion Juma, a guy who was winning some of the rounds. I thought that Dion Juma from the first uh, going into the round eight was up four rounds to three, but I had a six six because Dion Juma was down 
badly in the fourth. And he he was knocked out by Balish on the eighth. So what I saw from Rich React for is that he has huge power, huge guy, very big guy. But his skill set is very lacking. He has huge power. Deontay Wilder type power. But he lacks in the skill department. He doesn't know how to keep guys off him. Has several weaknesses in my opinion. Dan Aziz, a light heavyweight, coming off the biggest win of his career, coming off of knocking out Jose uh, Burton, I think. Yeah, Jose Burton knocked him out seven rounds. Got another stoppage victory. Jose Burton, I think he's a cousin of the Furies. Had a big name. Was The fight was for the British uh, title. And a lot of people thought that Jose Burton was going to get a routine win against Dan Aziz. But got beat down to a pulp in that fight. Had no answers for Dan Aziz. Dan Aziz... He's a decent pressure fighter, but he's extremely basic. He's as basic as they come. So that's my take on that card. Well, there was nothing special on the UK cards. I thought the fights in the United States were way more interesting because of Tim Zhu, not because of any American fighter fighting. It was all Tim Zhu. Now let's talk about the big news we got on Sunday. Devin Haney will challenge George Campbell's Jr. for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. Devin Haney holds a version of the WBC title. So does George Cambosis hold a version of the WBC title. He also holds the WBA, IBF, WO, Ring Magazine, and Lineal titles. So Cambosis coming in with four titles plus the Ring Magazine and Lineal. Devin Haney coming in with one title. Now this fight will end all debate about the WBC chaos. Also this fight will take place in Australia. There is a rematch clause, a one-way rematch clause. I saw a video for Hatman Strikes Back. A popular YouTube channel in the UK. He said that the rematch clause only works if Haney chooses to stay at lightweight. If Haney moves up to light welterweight, the rematch clause is voided. And I'm not sure what to say about that. I just want to let you guys know. Keep this in your mind. So that's what he said. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but that's what was reported on Hatman Strikes Back. In the deal, my understanding is David Haney signed a multi-fight promotional deal with with Top Rank and Lou DiBello. Now he has to fight George Cambosis the first time. If he beats him, he has to fight Cambosis again. Should he beat Cambosis twice, both times in Australia, he has to fight Lomachenko on ESPN pay review in the United States. So it's a weird deal. I'm not sure how many fights he signed Top Rank, but the Zone and Abby Hearn, they're the ones that invested everything in Devin Haney. They were paying him over $5 million per fight before he was worth it. Put their money in, put all their coins in one basket. And guess what? He's not fighting his biggest fight of his career with The Zone. The Zone really wanted to make the George Campbell's fight because they wanted to put a foot in the Australian market. Now, The Zone so far has failed on all fronts. I know a lot of people love Eddie Hearn, and I love Eddie Hearn too. We all love Eddie Hearn. But the zone has failed on all fronts. The zone has failed to gain Premier League rights in the United Kingdom. Which the Premier League is the... If to all my American listeners, Premier League is the soccer league for the United Kingdom. It's the most watched league. It's kind of like the NFL over here, the NBA. Their hope was to get that. To buy out BT and get the Premier League. They failed at that. In America... They fail to get any supers. And they're investing a lot of money in Canelo Alvarez. And I'm telling you right now, it is not worth it. 
putting 160 million dollars for Canelo to fight Murata, not for Murata, excuse me, to fight Bivol, Golovkin, and John Ryder is not worth it. Trust me, you guys are not going to make your money back. It's a dumb investment. You guys should have put more money to make the Andre vs. Charlo fight. That would have cost you maybe $20 million, $15 million, 7.5 to each fighter. Guess what? You would have lost way less than you guys are going to lose on the Canelo deal. That's just my opinion. Now, the zone has also lost where they want to put a full halt in Australia. Devin Haney versus George Cambostis is heading to ESPN. So, I think the zone is failing right now. The zone, I've heard reports that they've lost billions of dollars. I don't know how accurate those reports are. Well, it could be true. Yeah, that's just my thoughts on all this that's going on in the boxer world. I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, in the comment section of my YouTube channel. I know some of you guys will be listening to this on Apple Podcasts. This will be on Apple Podcasts, on Patreon, and on my YouTube channel. Uh, if you're on my YouTube channel, like and subscribe. Yeah, that's it. Sadiq Boxing, out.